Hello and thank you for downloading the Trap Once and Future podcast. We're back and we're talking about Big Finish's special 60th anniversary series, Once and Future. And this is the team who will be meeting monthly to chat through each installment of the saga as it unfolds. I'm Mark. Hello, I'm James. I'm Fraser. And I'm Keith. Thank you very much. This month is Volume 1, Past Lives by Robert Valentine. So this starts off with, I guess, the Eighth Doctor being found on a Time War battlefield, suffering from the effects of a degeneration weapon. What was it? Uh, sees him quickly cycle through his first seven incarnations. And before finally settling on the fourth incarnation, played by Tom Baker. So we will be discussing the story in its entirety, so there will likely be spoilers. So if you haven't listened to the story yet and you plan to, uh, please do that first before you listen to the rest of this podcast. So, uh, if we go around the room quickly and get a sense of uh, what we all thought of this, I, I will go first. Yeah, um, yeah, it a fun opener. I think there's quite a lot when you're, you're sort of setting out the stall for eight stories in an interconnected arc. There's quite a lot of groundwork to cover. Plus, you've got to have a story as as well in its own right. So, I, I think. It delivers on some aspects of that, and I, I think it is wonderful to hear Tom Baker's plummy voice as well. So, um, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. And Fraser, we should say your your screen name while we record is is Watson Fraser. So uh, that's, that's a great point. And also, uh, you gave me the idea for the introduction of Trap Once and Future as well. So your pun game is is strong today. So thanks for that. <laughs> it's it's an easy one. This one. Um, um, no, I I unashamedly loved this. I. You know, um, I'll set me my stall up now. I'm the trap, uh, sorry, the big Finnish novice. You know, I've I've dabbled a little bit um, here and there, mostly what I can get on Spotify, which is sort of the the early um, stories. So and the, the the big ones as well. So things like Spare Parts, Chimes of Midnight Jubilee. Those are the the ones that I've listened to. Not a great deal. So this is this is quite a good experience for me going into um, the sixtieth to get a good flavour of, of what Big Finish is about. So you know, if you listen to Big Finish, this is your moment to snag me as a regular listener. Um, but yeah, from the start, I just you know thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, it just had us laughing from about five minutes in, um, and I just didn't stop enjoying it till the very end i'm really worried about this i don't know how i feel about it the first the first time i listened to it i thought i don't know how i feel about this so i listened to it today again and i thought i still don't know how i feel about this it's um i've listened to loads of big finish i've spent thousands of pounds on it i mean it's almost obsessional <laughs> but um yeah it it's I can appreciate it setting something up, but I honestly didn't kind of know what kind of a story it was to the point I've actually written, is this a parody? Because I wasn't quite sure what kind of a tale they're trying to tell. And obviously it's a setup to a, a major big thing. And I have to say, when it started degenerating and we're suddenly getting clips of all the doctors, my heart sank a little bit because I thought, oh Lord, here we go. But because the best will in the world They've done an awful lot of um, uh, multi-doctor stories now. But uh, as it went on, I, I enjoyed it more. So I don't know. And I'm hoping desperately that you're going to help me clarify my thoughts today. I, I'm similar to Fraser in that I just unabashedly loved it. 
it, it for me it ticked a lot of boxes because I love Tom Baker as the Doctor, I love Rufus Hound as the Monk, and I love the the modern unit kind of well the main duo of, of Osgood and and Kate as well. So it mixed uh, sort of three elements together there that that you know kind of uh, yeah really uh, ticked a lot of boxes for me. Um. Yeah, there's the the kind of the, it's just set up the mystery, really, hasn't it? Of we don't quite know what's happened to the Doctor. I mean, I say I, I guess the eighth it happened to the Eighth Doctor because the trailer, the video in the trailer seems to show the Eighth Doctor's control room, right? And it's the Seventh Doctor backwards that we hear, isn't it? Where I guess if it had been the Time War Doctor, we would have heard Paul McGann's Doctor in the mix there. So it made me think it uh, it had probably happened to the Eighth Doctor. And there's an intriguing thing where he finds the device that he needs. It was a temporal iterator already in his pocket, mm-hmm. uh, as though that was sort of pre-planned. So that's that's a clue for the future. What did you think? Because the cover for this seems to show Tom Baker in the fourth Doctor's costume. Mm. Do you think his costumes were changing with him as he degenerates? Because initially I would have pictured him, you know, in... Paul McGann's outfit, maybe from you know from the TV movie, or or maybe more like his Time War one from from Night of the Doctor kind of era. But nobody mentions it, and I feel like a bit Osgood or Sarah Jane would have said, "Oh, you're wearing a completely different costume to Noel." I think I, I think there's a line where he says about the TARDIS, and I imagine that the TARDIS keeps changing back to how it was with all the previous Doctors, because he says something about the TARDIS glitching. So my thought process was. In the same way that you saw at the end of the Power of the Doctor when the the outfit changed because it wasn't a typical regeneration, I think there's something similar at play with with that. But you're right; it's it's not it's not called out; it's not mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would because there is a there is a there's a little bit of a joke around where um, Osgood's wearing um, the lapel celery. And and he says, yeah. oh, you know, I used to wear that. And then then he says, well, maybe I haven't yet. And the, so there is a thing about the the outfit, but there isn't explicitly called out that he's not wearing his usual usual outfit. So I would imagine that he is in my head. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really think of that to be honest. Um, but um, yeah, like James says, the that line about you know it's effect whatever's affecting the doctor is affecting the TARDIS as well. Um, because it's, it's, he calls it a degeneration weapon. He's been hit by it, you know. So the kind of the setup seems to be it's the time war fighting in the time war, and that opening scene is very um, sort of like sharp, isn't it? You know, like Napoleonic battlefield noises all going off, and you know the wheel them in, and um, this degeneration starts to happen. So the implication is it's a weapon that's been used on the Doctor, but you know you would just assume that would affect the Doctor. Now you think about it, and not anything else. So the fact that it is affecting the TARDIS, I think, means it can possibly affect his costume as well. Um, and that scene, you know, when they are stopping and talking about the costumes, and it's it's a scene in Osgood's house where they've got the she's got the um the boy posters of, yeah the boy band <laughs> um, posters up there. You know, I think that would have been the perfect opportunity if if there was an issue with his costume to you know to drop that in. I just kind of assumed it was the big finish 
cover art is being pragmatic, really. If, you, if you're trying to sell your product, you want the doctor to look like the doctor, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of guess if Sarah Jane stops in the mid-run to say, why are you not wearing your tweed jacket and your scarf is not missing, and things like that, it kind of breaks up the drama slightly. Um, yeah. I, I, I was a bit confused at first. It wasn't to the second listen, because I suddenly thought, well, how does the doctor know that? Then I suddenly realised that he'd seen the pictures, and he realised there are future regeneration scene there as well so um i did miss that the first time so i noticed that the second time but uh, no i'll just put it down to the pragmatism of the artist i was going to say it's curious though because because another thing that they don't ex- explicitly call out and going back to what you just said about osgood's house there is a line where, where sarah jane i think says how many you know how far back do you go yeah and it doesn't say how many pictures there are of the doctor in the in Osgood's house. So the, again, the the sort of newer mythology of the timeless child is kind of it's, it's not explicitly called out. It's just you know mm-hmm. how many are there? Um, and and he goes in that that first sequence. He goes back to Hartnell before going. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Hartnell. Uh, before going back, you know, back through the regenerations again, because I think he goes seven, six, five, and then one, two, three, four. Um, it, it, it's an interesting one. Obviously, big finish. You're like, oh, we're not going to, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. We're just going to say yeah. there are lots of pictures of doctors <laughs> in this room. What about that scene when they say, oh, they're all the Doctor, and then they uh, someone goes, well, even that one? And Kate goes, yeah, even that one. And I imagine everybody in their head has got a different Doctor that they, <laughs> they picture that they're pointing to and they say, even that one's the Doctor. You know, whether it's sort of Matt Smith because he's very young or, you know, Jodie is, is, is the first female Doctor or whatever, you know, it's sort of, uh, uh, you, you can you can fulfill that bit in yourself a little bit. Yeah. I, I did think that on the first listen that that um, might have been a little bit of a, 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 a teaser that that line you know how far back do you go and he, he never answers it and he just kind of mm. you know um move moves on so i thought you know going back to what we said you know it's not explicit that it's the eighth doctor that's you oh. know the one that's wielding at the start there's no nothing to say which doctor it is you know so it was a case of you know are they are they going to have a bit of a rug pull on this are they going to be um you know we're going to get to the end of the tale and it's actually like the 11th doctor or the, you know, 12th doctor, or whatever, or is it going to be Geordie? Is this, you know, are they going to surprise us with Geordie? And then um, obviously in the second listen, it's, it's made quite clear that it is a male doctor. So that idea kind of went out the mm. window a little bit. Well, the very last episode is like going to be next year, I believe, isn't it? So yeah. I mean, mm. the rumor flying around is that because it's a rights issue and they haven't got the broadcast rights for that particular character yet sort of makes sense of it but there also been i noticed on the extras that said they've been doing this for four years so Blimey. i mean maybe they're just um what they've got to plan haven't actually recorded yet <laughs> so, so if yeah. this, it's going to be this epic maybe the the bit for next year does the can't can't possibly be done but uh, i do like to think that maybe it is something like the um Maybe the Ruth Doctor or something like that will get in and they're not allowed to use that. Because they've recorded her stories quite a while back now. There's still no release date that. And I'm assuming that's because at the moment we're still in the Chibnall era officially. And they, they don't get the rights until it officially becomes the um, Russell T. Davis era again. Mm. 
Right, yeah, because they announced the Fugitive Doctor box set and the Sasha Dewan Master box set. After the didn't they? Ages and ages ago, and they don't announce them until they're already in the can, do they? But there's no... No sign of a release date or anything yet. So yeah, it could that could be uh, could be something along those lines. Yeah. So so Fraser, you you've heard mainly the early big finish, so you won't be that familiar with kind of the recastings that they've done in in more recent years of, of Doctors and and the Monk and everything. Yeah, I absolutely love Rufus Hound as the Monk. I think uh, I think he's one of the best things on Big Finish and the the variety of people he's played opposite as well. Um, so the box that he did with Missy is. Absolutely, for the two of them together uh, is absolutely brilliant. What, what did you think of this this iteration of the monk? Um, I was fantastic. Um, it was just such an, a novel spin on it for the character. I think um, the way that he's playing the monk is sort of um, this sort of intergalactic time hopping Del Boy character um, who you know isn't out to like. You know, rule the universe or anything. He's just after um, making a quick book, um, and why not? You know, the one of the things I loved about the plot was how, you know, it had this sort of like time hopping element of, you know, to start with the, the monk having to, you know, get to where he needs to be. So the steps that he travels, um, you know, to get the money, to get the diamonds, to get the thing, to get into the Black Arc. I'm assuming everyone's listening to this, if you're listening to this at home. Spoilers, sorry, but, um, <laughs> you know, to to get to where he needs to be to get that um, that final piece of the jigsaw. All that build-up, that was fantastic. But certainly Rufus Hound was just a revelation. Um, he, I want to see him play a Toad of Toad Hall now. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it was that that's the kind of mental image I had is, is Mr. Toad. Um just the way he's playing that as that sort of like, you know, nineteen twenties rake, uh, card and bounder all rolled into one. Um yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. I must say it's it's my sort of first story where I've listened to Rufus Hound play the monk as well and i like I, the meddling monk the original peter butterworth i love that character because I, I think just as you say there's nothing particularly evil like intrinsically evil about the monk it, it just wants to have fun and he's just careless and reckless and you know he, he's he's his motivation is just oh i'm gonna try this and see what happens and and, and i think rufus encapsulates that and and the doctor whether it's a good thing or a bad thing or not, you know, you you have this set up at the beginning where he he degenerates and then he's like, oh, I've got to find the monk. The monk has got something to do with it. But then he finds himself going, Oh well, you know, I'll I'll help you with this scheme. You know, I'll, I'll just come along, and as soon as you're finished, then you can tell me about what's causing me to degenerate. And it and it kind of, I. I know that they recorded it separately, but there is a real there's a real feeling of camaraderie between, um, you know, the, the monk and the doctor um, when he calls him like old Bean or something, and, and, mm. and he's like old Bean. It, it, it's a it's there's quite a lot of comedy in the in the story, and I think that that's helped by that that sort of camaraderie between the, all of the characters. In fact, not just just those two, but there is a wonderful bouncing off of each other um in parts which i which i thought was really, really good there's a there's a wonderful line that rob valentine gives him which is um you know 
where he's he's breaking into the the Black Hawk Raven's house. Jane says, "This this doesn't seem like a a good idea." And what does he say? Like um, the difference between a good idea and a bad idea is how far I am away from the consequences. From the consequences yeah. And I think that just encapsulates that character just perfectly in one line. And the the bit at the beginning, the money he steals is that from the KLF? That yeah. is from the KLF. That happened. <laughs> I knew someone whose cousin was in the KLF and wow. would always talk about them burning the million quid. Who did Doctor yeah. of the Tardis, of course. Yeah. Yes. No, so that... It was a wonderful little throwaway line. Who's... Yeah. I loved that. I was like five minutes in and I was just like, I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to love this now. This is just going to be um, absolutely <laughs> fantastic. And then um, the fact he was Mr. Thelonious as well. Um, the thing is, though, this is the... Mag- the McGann doctor, the meddling monk, was responsible for like one of the deaths of one of his relatives and two of his best friends. So this is obviously quite a big, must be a big gap between those events and what's happening now. Unless this is just like its own internal continuity, really. I do suspect at the end of this, it's just gonna, there must be a massive reset. Otherwise, sort of like Sarah meeting the doctor shortly after she left, sort of sort of undermines the meeting later in school reunion and things like that, doesn't it? So. This this was my one note of caution with it. Yeah, it feels like he's going to lose his memory or it's going to be reset because... Well, everybody has to lose the memories, yes. <laughs> yeah, because he's already met now Kate and Osgood, who he doesn't meet until the first time in, in Day of the Doctor, um, like you say, under some of the events of School Reunion and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it does. it feels like something that can't sit comfortably with sort of established TV continuity so hopefully there'll be a clever way of, uh, of doing that but uh, yeah that was a I thought he'd asked well I know it's not called out but I thought he'd asked the monk to do something about Sarah Jane's memory because he said do you remember that favour I had to ask you but he doesn't say oh I took that to mean you need the information about the degeneration weapon that's mm-hmm. why I read it as yeah because that was why he was looking for him in the first place that's what I uh I read it as, uh, but I, I mean, I guess actually, I thought that's a more significant piece of recasting as well. What do we all think of the new Sarah Jane, who is played by Elizabeth Sladen's real life daughter? I did, do you know what I, I met Sadie a couple of times, and she always says that she didn't, she, she tried to mimic the voice. It's it's her interpretation of it, but there are times when you're listening to it. Where it just sounds like Elizabeth Slayton. It's quite, it's it's quite strange and wonderful at the same time, particularly in the dialogue with with Tom, and and you you're right when you say about the continuity because there's there's this whole thing where he says I I I never forget you, because he although he's the fourth Doctor, he's got memories of, you know coming across Sarah Jane again. So it, it's... In the five doctors, presumably. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like... I, I, I do like the her her portrayal of of, of Sarah Jane. It, um, it took me a little while to tune in. Um, but it, that wasn't just her. It took me a little while to tune in to Tom Baker as well. Um, again, you know, like I said, I've only listened to the early... Um, big finishes when um you know these actors are a lot closer to in age to the when they played the doctor on the television so to me you know you can you listen to that um you know tom baker's performance and there's nothing wrong with it but he sounds older naturally he sounds older 
um, you know, the the cadence is slower, the um, the delivery is is a bit more spread out than than what it might be. So, you know, I had to tune into that a little bit. Um, you know, tuned into Sadie Miller as well. Like James says, you know, there's some parts where it's spookily close to to um, to Sarah Jane, but also that that first scene, you know, it took me um, a couple of listens to actually twig which doctor was which um to, to twig that actually we've went from fifth to first and then it's second and then that's the third and then you know we'll, we'll go into the fourth because because again um and this is no disrespect to any of the actors taking part or anything you know you can't expect them to be you know pitch perfect you can't expect them to sound exactly as they would um you know the, the people that they are um you know recast as um it's 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 very much like you know David Bradley playing the first Doctor. You know it's it's close, but it's not quite there. So you have to kind of tune a little bit. But once I've done that, you know it's 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 absolutely fine. Um, you know that's that's the character. It is it is Sarah Jane. It's it's written as Sarah Jane. It's performed as Sarah Jane. There's nothing nothing there to suggest otherwise. So so me and you, Keith, we listen to a lot more of the recast uh, Big Finish stuff. So probably already kind of tuned into that a little bit. Um, we have Steve and Noonan as the first Doctor. Uh, Michael Troughton, Patrick Troughton's son, uh, playing the second Doctor, who quite recently come to Big Finish to play the season six B Doctor stuff, hasn't he? And then for me, the most effective one is Tim Trelaw as the third Doctor, who's mm-hmm. been doing it for quite a long time now, hasn't he? Uh, what, what's uh, what are your thoughts on these, Keith? I think they've been really canny the way they've done it. Because they sort of um, introduced new actors. They sort of did it as sort of like as a, more of a talking book style at first. And then they did it as like full dramas. And then they sort of, um, for more beloved characters, used relatives, which is also quite kind of because it does, as fans, we are sentimental creatures and we are sentimental about the children of favoured actors. And I think that's been really clever. They've done the same with um, uh, Liz Shaw as well. That, she's played by the uh, actress's daughter. So I think they've been really clever. I mean, in the end, you can say Big Finish is its own continuity. And if the voices aren't right, they're still playing the same characters. I mean, it can be argued some of the more recent um, casts have not really sounded terribly like the people. I'm not a big fan of the new First Doctor, for example. Uh, But um, I think now we are used to the idea of it. As like, long-term fans, we sort of got, we've got a new to it now. Well, I suppose coming to it new, it must be more of a shock. They've, they've, they've groomed us nicely over the time to get used to this idea and to the new voices, whereas uh, people coming to it fresh, it must be more of a culture shock, I should imagine. Yeah, that's that's why I thought, you know, I thought um, if you listen to it more and more and more, you're going to get used to it, and then that's going to be, be the norm more than anything. I think it was just a bit of a... Um, a bit of a, like you say, culture shock for me. It's quite amusing when you listen to the original um, sort of freebies that Big Finish used to give away. There's Gary Russell saying, we will never recast, and you think, ooh, that went out the window. <laughs> Just coming back to the continuity bit, though, um, I think, you know, if I did have a quibble about the story, it would be that the plot kind of boxes itself into a corner to a certain extent, because, you know, by putting the fourth doctor with Sarah Jane together, you know, you are left with a bit of a, you know, Hobson's choice of, do you then undermine the original departure mm. in, 
the hand of fear or do you undermine sort of school reunion and um you know do it that way so you either have the monk pick her up from just where he did where they've just left after um uh the hand of fear and take her back there or you leave it further down the line so if you leave it further down the line then you know that that bit in school reunion doesn't have that much of an impact um but if you do it closer to where um where she's left in the first place and then do what he does at the end where it's the monk that drops her off and not the doctor so once again it's a a bit of a um short short sharp exit um i think the the fact that he's done that leads me more to think it's not going to be a big reset that it is just trying to slot the story into the established continuity as it were because i think if it was a case of yeah we're going to reset this at the end we'll just you know click the magic degeneration button and everything goes back to normal then you wouldn't have to go to that level you would just be able to you know pick Sarah up wherever you want and you know deal more closely with you know one of the the themes which is sort of going back into you know former glories like the snows of past or um as he describes it you know you wouldn't necessarily need to wrangle around that if that makes sense i think having having heard a number of big finish stories but like anniversary stories especially where they end up doing some big reset that was going through my head was at the end of this they'll probably find some way of stopping the degeneration so all the events that happen in these stories kind of end up being cancelled out or, or or something will be explained away um because there is that you're, you're absolutely right there is that moment where in in a way i quite like the fact that it picked up immediately that sarah jane had been dropped off but then that lessens the impact of school reunion where she's like you know you just abandoned me. And uh, I guess a question I had, which uh, Mark or Keith might be able to, to answer, is, is I'm assuming at some point in one of the big Finnish stories, she meets the monk. Because I was like, how would she know who she <laughs> was? Unless they'd already had some sort of fourth Doctor Sarah Jane monk adventure, which I'm assuming that there has been in the thousands of back catalogue big Finnish stories. There's an incredibly jolly short story where the monk's doing a presentation to a, you know, a group of intergalactic conquerors and he's basically just warning them that the Doctor will completely mess up their plans every time and illustrates it with various uh, instances where the Doctor, Sarah and Harry have basically mucked up what he was intending to do. So, uh, yeah, charming single-hander with the monk, which is well-recommended. It's very good. Mm. And if I think of the title of it, I will tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, we'll find out and pop that one in the show notes. Yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't come across that one, but I, I was wondering the same thing, and I was half wondering whether the the Hyrith, who are the sort of alien threat in this, because it refers to uh, another story where the Fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane had defeated the Hyrith in the Houses of House of Commons. Yeah. I think it said. Yeah, well, yeah House of Commons. Um, yeah. That's that's not a story that's been made, is it, Keith? I think that's not that I recall. Doesn't mean uh, it's the one that's coming, but uh, it's yeah. But it, it works. It works well enough, I think. Just uh, you know, sort of set up as a as a bit of a backstory, and the reason why the monk collects Sarah is that she she has pre knowledge and she knows about this device and everything. So this is quite a new series as well, isn't it? To have aliens who are based around a recognizable 
animal design. So what what did we all think of the of the crocodilian hyris? Did we think they had snappy dialogue? <laughs> I th- I think, you know, from a from a sort of a alien of the week point of view, I thought they they were okay. I think they they're not it always reminds me of a, of the first episode of any new season where you think, oh, the the, the villain of that episode is going to get a little bit of short shrift because we've got loads of sort of <laughs> insetting and you know flashbacks and stuff to do before the before the end of the first episode. And I, and I kind of felt they got that here because there was the backstory which we we don't know about. We just we just hear about. Um, there's lots of you know the 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 doctor ultimately says i'm not going to do anything because he knows that when they're revived they're because it's been so long they're all going to to expire it, it, it's kind of they're dealt with really quite quickly and quite easily um so i think as a as a as a villain they're okay but it you know it would be nice to know a little bit more about them but um, I like the idea that there are two sort of elderly crocodile soldiers that are now sat in an old folks' home somewhere in, uh, you know, on the south coast. <laughs> that was intriguing, wasn't it? You kind of wanted to learn more about this unit facility. Unless Keith, unless you know, is, is that something we've seen in Big Finish before? I don't think so. I can't remember. It's a nice idea, though, isn't it? I suppose a bit like Trap Street, but but uh, you know, somewhere a bit more official. Yeah. Um... I, I liked them. I liked the was it high with. Um, again, you know, I sat and listened to this and starts just automatically assumed this is a an adventure that's previously happened, and that was that took me back. That took me back to my childhood when you know I used to watch Doctor Who videos out of order, and you would have things like um, Genesis of the Daleks, where uh, the the Doctor would sit and start telling Davros all these tales of how the Daleks were defeated and you would just kind of think those are stories that I'm going to get to watch you know these are adventures that have been filmed and whatnot and um, I've got that real sort of like childhood vibe of, of, of something really exciting and obviously it's not it's not been done yet um, but that feeling really took me back um, the the Hyreth themselves um the what's the chief one called Gallivant? Gallivant, yeah. Um, you know, I loved the idea of, you know, he he's he, he just gives up. Well, he doesn't give up, but he's like he's kind of defeated himself. He's resurrected his his army, and they've all you know died. So he he just breaks him, and that bit where he just kind of like breaks down. I thought that was really um, well done, and it was a it, it was a something I wasn't expecting to happen i was expecting it to be sort of like monster of the week is roundly thrashed but no there was um there was a extra depth in there which i really enjoyed and like you say packing them off to um the spa resort any spawn however um with with the you know the knackered old sontarans and whoever else is in there i mean that is just a box set waiting to happen now isn't it yep they were my favorite bit of the whole thing i have to say um somebody was getting slightly long in the tooth now to have an alien race who just were just too old and knackered to bother anymore. Really appealed to me. <laughs> it really amused me. That did so. I thought, no, I, yeah, I felt great empathy for them. So yes, yeah, I really liked them. I thought the end was rather charming, actually. Yeah. And it, as they talk about in the extras, it fits into that theme of sort of nostalgia that you know the whole anniversary is about and everything, and you know, kind of uh, wanting to revisit past glories, which 
uh, you know, we can through big finish because, uh, you know, the actors, uh, we don't need to see them, you know, that, that, you know, and if they're in their eighties now, they can, they can play themselves in their, uh, in their younger days. <laughs> so can, uh... Some of the, uh, Blake seven ones, poor old, uh, um, Blake sounded incredibly elderly in some of the latter ones. When he said he was like running down corridors, I think he took an awful lot of imagination to to imagine that he could. So it was. Uh, I think maybe we have to write to the voices sometimes. <laughs> it's funny though, because I thought, you know, this would be the perfect setting. The story setting would be the perfect way to kind of acknowledge that the Doctor sounds older. You know that it's it's. it's it's not the same doctor. It's, he's kind of degenerated, so that's affected him. You know, have him pop out and go, "Oh, doctor, don't you look old?" or something like that. You know, what, what's going on? With you? <laughs> um, it just it's had like that that perfect setup. But I think that's very much a me quibble. You know, that's very much like me, like I say, not being as tuned in as as other big Finnish listeners. Um, so yeah, it, it probably works fine for everyone else. I think that's the joy of audio, though, isn't it? Because it- one person will listen to it and see him as as a younger man as he was on the on the tv and others will see him like the curator and you know as a sort of more older doctor i think it just allows your imagination to fill in that that blank um and it's probably a good job that that they're not too narrative when that you know talking about the costume or the way he looks because I think it's just like it, I, I, I guess one thing I, I do quite like about the story is it just gets on with it. It, it, there's no the Doctor immediately knows he's degenerating it, it isn't a long drawn out sort of thing, he's mm. like right, let, you know it, it, that, that set up for the story arc is is over really really quickly it's not overly complicated i'm sure we will get other stories where it adds to to sort of you know to to the mystery but it was kind of like right this has happened on we go which i i thought was actually quite nice just to to go straight into it in the days now where Big Finish basically released box sets, it's been quite nice to go back to a single release where you just sort of, you can listen to it an hour or so, and uh, that's it. Because these days, it's most stories are like spread over three, three adventures, and uh, at the very least, and I think three seems to be the standard now. So I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've enjoyed just having like a something you just listen to on a walk to work and back, rather than have to and like dedicate about uh, four uh, hours to. I was expecting something a bit longer, mind. Um, I thought it was going to be. You know, for a four-part story. Um, obviously, I'm pleasantly surprised, like you say, it is just like a, a hour or so, one one hit, and then you're off. Um, it's it kind of feels like flux in that respect. Um, mm. I think we've got the setup, and I think we can kind of envisage how the rest of the st- the the series is going to go. You're going to have um, a different Doctor per story. Um, there'll be little bits at the start and throughout and probably at the end which advance the plot along but for the most part you're going to have like a standalone story with that doctor and whoever else they've kind of picked out of the fa cup bin to pair them with also like flux it was produced during covid as well i believe so mm. there's like parallels with yeah, that yeah. which uh, our friend mark here's probably got a great deal of sympathy for right now so, yeah i'm just uh just getting over about of, uh, of covid here yeah so um so yeah the, uh, i think as you said earlier james i'm Started planning this in 2019, knowing it was going to be quite a big undertaking with all the 
the different cast members and different moving parts. So that's obviously sort of uh, yeah encompassed uh, COVID as well, which uh, probably in some ways has, has played into their hands a bit because uh, you know we know it it gave them greater availability of David Tennant and actors like that as well. So uh, the uh, you know the kind of the home recording side of it, you know, maybe maybe kind of open open things up for them. And uh, I think it's also a lot easier to follow. I mean, I know we've done Time Lord Victorious before when that came yeah. out which you needed several spreadsheets and a large vodka to understand how it all sort of <laughs> together uh <laughs> whereas this the premise is is quite straightforward you're going to get a different doctor every week and you don't need to worry about all the different multimedia strands which will give you something towards the the ultimate story i think it's just nice that you the only my only niggle is is as you mentioned having to wait for the coda in 12 months time but i'm sure yeah. <laughs> reason for that but in the meantime we get this monthly story which is going to take us quite nicely up to the 60th and then on to our new doctor it's interesting if they started that in 2019 this is potentially before kind of russell t davis was was coming back and then had his idea of the degenerating doctor turning back into the back, back into David Tennant. So it, it's interesting how they've echoed each other in that way and and come up with similar ideas. Um, you know, as to whether that because I, I think they've referred to that as a degeneration as well, haven't they? But obviously, the, the two things aren't going to be aren't going to be linked to just kind of like parallel ev- evolution kind of idea. Uh, and as we've not talked much about um, Kate Stewart and Osgood, obviously they are the actors who are closest uh, to the time when they've played those characters on TV. Obviously, uh, especially Kate, who was in in Power of the Doctor very recently. This seems sort of quite early in their working relationship because uh, it says that it's the early 2010s. So I take it this is before Day of the Doctor. And there's a couple of lines where you know Kate sort of. Um, so a little bit surprised that Osgood, you know, sort of works her days off. She's still kind of dedicated to her work and then she's taking uh, technology home to assess it and things like that as well. It's like they don't know each other that well yet. And I think as a rule, Keith, I'm right in saying they, most of the unit stuff tends to be set before Zygo. the TV stuff. Uh, yeah, before before there's a second Osgood. Uh... I think Osgood's becoming a bit of a stalker. She's crossing the line now from Fanny. She, I mean, she's, she's got some, like pictures of the Doctor all around her house. I'm surprised it's like quite a large poster, I'm assuming. So it's getting, it's getting a bit sort of like, uh, yeah, it's a bit a bit creepy, I think. Then I think they 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 missed a golden opportunity for someone to pick up the Tom Tit, just you know the flat because she said she was cataloguing all the all the pearly gadgets. I was waiting yeah. for someone to go. What is that? <laughs> well, we've already got something that looks like fossilised poo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was quite a nice bit because you had the, the fourth Doctor and or nominally the fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane sort of uh, defending what this technology looks like that they dealt with in the 70s. And the rest of them say, nope, looks looks like dinosaur poo. Yeah. <laughs> It was like they were defending the uh, yeah the aesthetics of that era a bit, wasn't it? Yeah, I like Kate and uh, Kate and Osgood. I think um, you know, obviously the the putting Osgoods in here, I haven't this or that. I think that's mm. a, an attempt to mm. to kind of 
that signify that this is Osgood and not Zygon. Um the variation thereof. Um and I think um I know um Gemma Redgrave gets a bit of stick for her performance being a bit lacklustre but in certain quarters, but I think it's 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 a bit more deadpan, you know, it's it's not necessarily, you know, boring or anything. It's it's just quite I thought you're gonna be cruel and say wooden. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think it's 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 just it it just strikes me as like deadpan, you know, and I think that really works with with some of the lines they're given the sort of like the Glastonbury um yeah. lines, you know, where it's you know it's the size of Glastonbury, what town or festival. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, delivery that kind of really works and you know, that's that's a really specific analogy. Yeah, it's because it's, it's above Glastonbury that you know, that really um that had us laughing out loud as well. Um and it's interesting that um, Osgood calls her mom for most of it, but then when they're having to run from the elderly crocodile, you know, it's Kate come on, you know, she calls mm. her by her first name. So that kind of suggests that there is more of a, a relationship there than just, um, you know, two people just starting out for the first time. There's, a, there's, a, there's another sort of uh, wonderful line where, She's talking about taking the work home and, you know, sort of living in the office. And she says, have you never heard of downtime? Yeah. And uh, Osgood goes, I am familiar with it. <laughs> and I was just, oh. there's, there's so many sort of little Easter eggy nuggets. The, the, the Chroma line as well. Yeah, the Chroma. I was, I was about to go on the Chroma. The downtime one just yes, that went straight off my head. Yeah, that, that, is, a, that is a good one. Did you have a long? Yeah. Mm, yeah, Project Avalon. Um, and there was a, there was a point where the Doctor was just like listing alien artifacts as well, like the Auton gun and things like that. So there, there was the killer hitchhikers. Yeah. <laughs> There's just so many sort of little things. You're like, oh, that's a that's a tick for you know for me as an Easter egg. It's a wonderful wonderful little bits. Yeah, that's the joy of the Black Archive on TV, though, isn't it? You're trying to spot things and, and that uh, the board with all the, uh, the photos on and things. So, yeah, you need to... Uh, I think every visit to the Black Archive needs a nice little uh, list of, uh, of Easter eggs like that and things that you can spot. It would be nice to have Kate, though, without having her father mentioned every single time. Luke. Big Finish are particularly bad boy. <laughs> so. Yeah, I guess this is kind of a jumping-on point, isn't it? In what possible way does she have a father's bearing? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was a bit of a, again, bit of an Easter egg. I don't know if it was a kind of like, you know, because obviously she introduces herself to the doctor as, you know, Kate Lethbridge too, but then everyone else she comes across is just like, oh, you're the Briggs daughter. Oh, you're the Briggs. Mm. Rather than her saying it, it's like everyone else that kind of, you know, points it out to her. So I don't know if that was a, another bit of a, like a knowing, um, knowing nod to, hmm. To what's going on there? It's, it's, it's almost like yes, we know who you are. You, like you can expect that coming next. <laughs> yeah, so this, this one—it's a bit of a jumping-on point as well, isn't it? If uh, you know, for, for potentially new listeners coming aboard, so you need you need a quick shorthand of yeah, this is the Brigadier's daughter and uh, and who everybody is like that. Yeah, the Doctor even calls her Brigadier at one point, doesn't he? He's... Yeah, <laughs> um, gets carried away. And there's that wonderful bit where he's like towards the end where he says to. 
to Kate and to Oscar, you stay here and Sarah Jane and I will go and sort this out. And he's talking about, you know, keeping Kate out of trouble and suddenly you hear her voice going, you know, yeah. you're under arrest or stop what you're doing. And he's like, oh, just like a father. So, so. Yeah. <laughs> and they go straight from plan A to plan C because plan B wouldn't work. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that was a very fourth doctor well, line. That's good yeah. And we, so next time, uh, the, the Doctor's going to look for Jenny, uh, his daughter from the the episode, The Doctor's Daughter, which is another thing that makes me think things are going to be reset for the Doctor because he can't know about Jenny before the Tenth Doctor does The Doctor's Daughter, can he? There is, there is already an episode, isn't there? There's, I'm sure there is already a big finish story with The Fifth Doctor and Jenny. It's the Big Finish anniversary. Is the twentieth anniversary of Big Finish or Doctor mm. Who on Big Finish? What was that one, Keith? Yeah, uh, yeah Legacy of Time. If he realised who she was or not, though. Yeah, they are quite good. At sort of like a lot of the um, River Song ones, the Doctor hasn't always tweaked who she was when it's before they've actually met, and sometimes mm. they just have. So I mean, sometimes they, they throw that out the window. So I can't genuinely remember whether they remember whether the, the Doctor realised who she was or not. Because he says, it doesn't the monk say something like, oh, go and find some sympathetic DNA or something? Yeah. I think there's a line like that. Yeah. You know, maybe it's from your daughter. And then he's like, ooh. Yeah. And then says, no idea you a daughter. And it's just like, oh. Neither, neither did I. Yes. <laughs> it just went straight from me to granddaughter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone into what's happening with this. Have you looked? A story ahead or two, or do you know what's happening in the future? Which doctor's coming in which order? Because I'm, I'm trying to keep myself as ignorant as possible, really. They've released the picture for the next one, so I know what yes. that was. But I'm not sort of like study the cast lists ahead. Are you doing that, or are you keeping yourself surprised? I've seen the titles um, of the other stories, but I've not read anything other than what they released for the next one. And like you say, the the, the picture... Um, I've not been reading ahead to see, I, and I don't think they've given out a great deal of information about their future ones. I don't think they have. I think we've kind of been given sort of the overall cast list. Um, you know, this is going to be everyone that's going to be in this at some point, and and it's huge. But, the cast list mm-hmm. is massive. So it's it, it's very sort of like um, World Cup draw feel to me it's kind of like right so pick a doctor out of bull a right fourth doctor right so out of bull b you've got sarah jane smith right out of c then, yeah. and missy yeah. <laughs> exactly so then okay so who we're going to pair fourth doctor and sarah jane with well it's it's osgood and kate stewart awesome uh, right what, what right second one so it's a fifth doctor well it's got to be jenny and you know i, I wonder to, to what extent that's kind of like being predetermined and to what extent the writers have had the the autonomy to say, you know, as as Rob Valentine basically been said, here's your shopping list. You've got, you know, you've got the fourth doctor, you've got Sarah Jane and you've got, um, you know, Osgood and, and Kate Stewart. Off you go, write as part one. Or has he been said, well, okay, I want, you know, I'm writing part one then, so I want to have, mm. you know, the fourth doctor and, and what's going to be an interesting parent. I'll tell you what, let's put them with you know, a unit. Yeah, in the behind the scenes, he says he was given the fourth Doctor, or Tom Baker's Doctor, 
Sarah Jane Smith and uh, and like the modern unit crew. Yeah. But then just to weave his own story with them, sort of thing. Mm. Didn't the 20th, if I remember rightly, The Legacy of Time, that had like countermeasures and some Jake. of the other big Finnish spin offs mm. all sort of mashed up with the Doctors, didn't it? Jago mm. and Lightfoot and people like that. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it is sometimes quite random. <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> oh, okay. It's interesting how this pairing might work. I think it will be interesting to see, you know, exactly how random it gets because obviously, you know, Fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane go together. It's it's a no-brainer when you are just playing with the ultimate sand pit, which is what Big Finish is and what they're doing with the, the 60th to pair, you know, Peter Davison with, you know, Georgia Moffat. Um, you know, so it, is that going to carry on? Are we going to have, you know... You know, sensible parents down the line, or is it literally just going to get to the point of like, it's it's the first Doctor and K nine. <laughs> we can only hope. See the first Doctor and Missy then, so we're on the same lines there. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, Colin Baker's in the next one as well as the and new he, curator, isn't he? Yes. He's, didn't he take over in Stranded? He did. Yeah, so the first three volumes of Stranded had Tom Baker as the curator, like you say, and then the, the fourth volume, uh, Colin Baker came in and uh, the character says he uh, he had to bring another aspect of himself for the for that particular job, didn't he, or something like that. So mm. it's kind of explained in the... In a rather good costume. I wish he had that on the actual show because the mm. uh, curator costume is brilliant. I was just about to say, I knew he was the creator because I saw the artwork and I thought, there's no way, that's a rubbish costume for the Doctor. And so I had to check the cast list. <laughs> I, I, I get very protective over Colin Baker's coat, I must say. But mm-hmm. I think that's that's going to be interesting for me then because obviously, you know, you guys have, are aware of, um, you know, Colin Baker as the curator, whereas this is going to be, um, you know, something brand new for me. So, you know, I'll be interested in this to see how much it is um you know set up for a newbie like myself you plus know. jenny's had a whole load of box sets herself as well so she'll have her continuity so will they be following that as well with Jen- jenny won't be such a stretch because obviously i am aware of her through the tv so i am aware of the character it's not like a brand new sort of character as it were um but yeah obviously you know will they do the same with that will it be you know sort of continuity heavy or will they allow the new listener to stand a chance. Like, yeah. Because so, <laughs> again, like I say, you know, it, it's, it's not just going to be me. There's going to be other people out there who are going to be picking these things up. And, you know, you know, if they're savvy, you'll be thinking, right, so just give them enough to hook them in. And Oh, you yeah. see, they, they might do the, the Sarah Jane thing and it might be from the second that um, she sort of regenerated after the TARDIS dematerialised. It could be that moment where <laughs> suddenly the fifth Doctor appears. Yeah, that's it. I don't think they'll get too bogged down mm. continuity, as like you say, in terms of new listeners, because uh, it's the same for, for Kate and Osgood, isn't it? They've had tons of box sets and they've introduced supporting characters. Mm. And that's true, yeah. that as well, which, uh, you know, who, who didn't appear here. Because they've got Lady Christina later, haven't they, as well? They did. Oh, oh have they? Are they with, what, within this series, it should be announced? I think so. Oh, sorry. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. But yeah, she's had box sets as well, hasn't she? Yeah. yeah. All, all of the, like you say, it's like a, a smorgasbord where they're just like, oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's, we've not seen these two together for a bit. Let's, let's yeah. pop these in. 
But I mean, at the end of the day, though, it's the 60th, isn't it? So, mm. you know, it's got to be. You, you can't blame them for thinking, well, let's just get everything as much as we can. And, you know. Because TV can't do it. The best will in the world. So, I mean, no. those of us who want vast reunions with tons of uh, nostalgia and continuity, this is perfect, really, isn't it? We can, we can get our fix of this and the telly can sort of... Uh, I mean, best will in the world, the doctors don't look the same anymore, so they, they can't possibly do it in a three-doctors style again. I mean, that's golden now, really. For the classic doctors. Mm. Yeah. Well, even... Now, I mean, New Who's knocking on a bit, isn't it? Best of the world, Tennant, though he looks amazing, doesn't look like he did when he was the Doctor, so... No, and, and, and Eccleston as well, yeah, he's very different, isn't he? Yeah. I think, you know, going back to what you said at the start, you know, Big Finish have done a load of these multi-Doctor stories, so mm. I think the way that they're doing this one, so it's a multi-Doctor story without multi-Doctors, if that makes sense, you know, without them all, you know, being in a room together... Um, you know, without drawing too from pot, pot A, as it were. You know, I think that's, again, a really clever idea. Just, you know, one, one story, lots of Doctors, but they all change throughout. Uh, but, yeah, we'll be here to to take you through the uh, the, the remaining volumes uh, throughout the, the 60th anniversary year. We'll be back next month with, the, uh, with part two. In the meantime, if you'd like to let our listeners know where we can all find you elsewhere on the internet, James? Uh, yeah, so I am uh, Jigster2009 on Twitter and uh, you on YouTube under um, Phantom. You can find previous reviews of classic season Doctor Who episodes. Well, when I'm not hanging around the black markets of 22nd century Tokyo, you can find me on Twitter as at Felix Fraser, or one word, Fraser spelled with a Z, um, where you're welcome to come along and disagree with any of my ramblings on Twitter. I'm on the incredibly out of date now 50DW50 on the Twitter, which I set up a year ago for a run through the uh, series, which I'm doing again with posable dollies to illustrate. Been enjoying uh, following that very much. Uh, I'm on Twitter as at QuackMugMalice. You can find the podcast as at Trap1 underscore. Find all our previous episodes at trap1.podbean.com. And if you have time, uh, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast on your favorite app. Maybe ask your friends and loved ones to do the same. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) 